Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Work Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome back to Work Stories. It's always a good time when the head of HR is in the room. Okay, so maybe no one's ever said that, but this chief people officer recognizes her own imperfections and also those of the people she's managing. And she is not sugarcoating anything for us today. Here's my conversation with Hiba Youssef. Hi, I'm Hiba, Hiba Youssef. I'm the chief people officer over at Workweek and I am the founder and creator behind a brand called I Hate It Here. We got to we got to dig into that. <laughs> but first, Talk to us about how you started your career in people, in HR, and you know what you did to kind of move into that space. Yeah, I didn't want to work in HR. I'm truly not going to lie. I Does didn't... anyone want to? Is that anyone's dream at 18? No. Honestly, I don't know why they make us go to college and learn things that have nothing to do with our careers, but I was a government and Middle Eastern studies major, which a lot of my friends found very funny because I'm Arab. So they were like, oh, so you majored in the history of yourself. And I was like, yeah, let's get all about me. But when I got into HR, I like really didn't think that's where I wanted to be. I was trying to be a product manager at the time. And so I went to work with one of my old mentors from a startup that I'd worked at. And his goal was to like get me into product. But one of my first projects was building a global learning program for the company that I was at. I don't know how that ended up being my project, but they didn't have anyone in HR working on it. So they wanted me to. And so I did that. And within six months, I was running a global learning program in three different countries, managing a team of about six people. And the role eventually shifted to HR. And there was an inflection point where they said, do you want to stay on this team or do you want to move into HR? And I said, you know, I'm really enjoying this like people situation. Like I thought I wanted to be a product manager, but the more I think about it, like people can also be my product in a very weird way to think about that. Yeah. (laughs) And then from there, my HR career just really blossomed. I spent three years leading that team at that company. I went on to do talent management at a media company called Axios. I had a great time there where I got to do anything and everything that fell under the HR umbrella, left and became a head of people and really managed the strategic function of people. And now I get to be a chief people officer where I think about our employees day in and day out and how to truly build 
the best workplace possible. That's cool. I feel like when people lightly talk about anything HR related, they think like, oh, you have to be a people person. But do you actually have to be? Because what I'm seeing is people aren't. <laughs> no, hell no. I will. People are the worst. <laughs> Honestly, like you can't do this job if you think like, oh, I love people and people are great. Mm -hmm. Really hard part of our job in HR is the moments when people are not great. Yeah. When they don't show up as the best version of themselves, when their unconscious bias is on full display, when they do things that's like triggering and harming other people. The part of this job that I think a lot of people don't realize is there's a really dark side to humans. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Is it because we're so depending on the resource from the job to do everything. It's like a desperate type of behavior that we see in the workplace. It's very interesting. I mean, I think about this so often. The workplace mirrors society. And so if you think about the problems we're facing as a society, a lot of that also manifests that work in a certain way. And I wouldn't put all the blame on the individuals. I think for a long time, corporations, I think they still do, corporations take advantage of the human beings. And so we're in this like, push and pull, this tug of war between who has the power between the employer and the employee. And sometimes I think that sways and the employee doesn't like it and they lash out. Mm -hmm. The opposite is very true where the employer takes advantage of the employees and really builds a bad experience for them, harms them. And that trauma gets carried on into other organizations. It's like a bad relationship. Yes. And you're just like in the relationship still operating and both people are toxic. And then you leave the relationship and then you bring that drama over to the next one. <laughs> yeah, there's like real trauma that people get in the workplace and like managers are terrible a lot of places. And that fear, you unconsciously hold on to that. And as you go to the next environment, you find it hard to trust people, even if they're good people, mm -hmm. even if they're trying to do the right thing by you because you've been hurt. And so when employees say, or the people on the internet, as I like to call them, um, say like, don't trust HR. HR is not your friend. I really want to ask like, what HR team hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know, tell me what they did. Cause like, I want to be mindful that I never do that. And I don't like when those people say like, HR is not your friend, don't trust them. I never try to tell them that that's not true. Because that's their real lived experience, you know? Yeah. yeah, HR is the enemy. Yeah, a lot of places HR is the enemy. A lot of places HR is the, the first face you see when you get the job and the last face you see on the way out. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard from the HR perspective to be the person who has to say goodbye to employees. But also I imagine from the employee's perspective, we're just like the face they remember as the enemy. Yeah, you're like the mean parent. I like to call myself bad cop, actually. Like when yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're good cop to the manager. Yeah. I'm bad cop. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I'd rather have my manager be the nice one and the HR person be the tough one. Oftentimes, though, the manager is the awful person and your HR person is like in the background being like, stop doing mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. If we could flip it, I mean, that would be the best scenario. But unfortunately, yeah, usually people actually end up wanting to go to HR and wanting to kind of trust and be like, can I sit at your desk and tell you my troubles? It's, it's so hard because we sit between a really good HR person. And I'm, I don't think this is the norm, to be clear. Like this is not an HR, like is the best kind of podcast. I don't think we're talking about the really hard parts of this job, but mm. your best HR people know how to balance what the business needs with what the people need. 
And at some point, you have to decide for one or the other. And because of the society we live in, you oftentimes have to side with what the business needs, despite us being empathetic and knowing we want to do what the people need. Have you ever gone to the business, the company and been like, okay, you all were wrong in this and this is why. And actually this employee is making perfect sense. Yeah. I'm trying to not say I told you so as often as I (laughs) currently do, but there are decisions that are short-sighted to like help a business survive or thrive that are detrimental to the employee. And when that situation comes about and we have to make that decision, I'm also really mindful of saying like, I don't agree with this decision. Here's why. But I will keep moving forward because ultimately some of these decisions aren't mine to make. Mm. I'm not the CEO, right? There are times where I can't make the decision, even if it is the thing I want to do. But how I live with myself, honestly, every night, and I sleep pretty soundly, is I make it clear what it is I'm objecting to. Mm -hmm. And then I say, but if the path is different, I will be a team player and get on that path with you. But I need you to know, here's the thing I'm objecting to and why. Mm. Hmm. Being a team player. (laughs) It feels like it takes a lot of restraint mm-hmm. to not want to, you know, kind of bang the pots for justice in certain situations where you're like, this is wrong. You guys are going about this wrong and there's going to be consequences for the reputation of this company because you're not listening to me. But here I am, you know, having to just like go through the motions and do what you want me to do. I feel really thankful for my current organization. My co-founders are wonderful humans and they do listen to me a lot, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they don't challenge me. Yeah. So we have like really fruitful discussions where I'll say, here's my perspective and why. And they'll say, okay, here's what I'm thinking and why. And together we come to like a conclusion usually. And we disagree on things. We definitely like have hard conversations. We give each other tough feedback, but I'm really thankful because a lot of the times they do end up listening to me. And Mm -hmm. to feel heard in this job is probably one of the most special things. Yeah. To feel heard at all. My God. I'm out here fighting the good fight. When employees are like, oh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, please stop. You don't know fights I am fighting behind closed doors. And I don't get to be vocal about them either. Mm -hmm. So don't assume, don't make assumptions. Yeah. I've had many uh, HR individuals on the show and everybody has different views on every part of what HR is, all the different elements, recruiting, pay, development. Tell me what some of your hot takes are. What are your unpopular opinions? What will you argue all day with someone about when it comes to this industry? Well, I hate performance management. I think most of it's a bias because of how the feedback is given. They've done studies that like women receive more feedback about their personalities and men receive more feedback about their achievements. Mm -hmm. And so it really makes me question (laughs) feedback in general. I think like performance management is viewed as like a very static moment in time assessment, like either your mid-year review or your end of year review. But what the average person's performance is like is it varies day over day, hour over hour. Mm -hmm. There isn't really a system to account for that, nor am I saying should there be, but I'm saying performance should not just be viewed through a moment in time kind of lens. And then from there, people are not good at giving feedback. There are a million books about this. Everyone should read them. I'm not saying I'm the superstar of giving feedback. I sometimes struggle. Why? because of our perspective. I am giving feedback through the lens of my lived experience, how I would approach something, my reaction to something. 
a really good leader knows that, knows that they have a lens on when they give that feedback and they try to, as much as possible, give feedback not through that lens. But that's impossible because our perspective is our perspective. Is the key to that asking people how they prefer feedback or is it just not that simple? I don't think it's that simple. I think there's so, so many things to unpack. You should always ask someone how they prefer to receive feedback, by the way. Most people will tell you, oh, I just want it straight away. They're lying. Most people do not want it straight away. Most people actually want it in writing so they have time to process it before you deliver it to them. Mm. The key to it is trying to get better and better about giving not like your perspective-based feedback. And so there's a really good framework, uh, SBI, situation, situation behavior impact. And I think it's helpful when you think about writing feedback down to use it through the situation behavior impact model because you can then describe the situation, describe the behavior you observed. And then you can talk about the impact. And that very much removes like your perspective from it, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't give the feedback, like here's what I would have done. Cause that's not good feedback. Cause we're not creating like an army of replicas of us. We're creating like the next generation, which is hopefully better than we will ever be. Mm-hmm. So if you describe it from using that framework, I find it really helpful, but performance management is just very interesting. And like women and people of color get promoted less. Like their studies have shown that as well. And so when I think about all these facts that I'm looking at And I look at performance management, I'm like, how can performance management ever be something that is not flawed? And I just don't know how to answer that. But I think about it quite a bit. Yeah. Once in one of my performance reviews, I got feedback on the way that I instant message. I've been there. I've been told to use more exclamation points. Mm, More. More. Because apparently I'm very deadpan, which you you know this. It's writing. I know. How are you? Tone cannot be indicated through writing. I know. I thought women were supposed to use less exclamation points so we sound smarter. <laughs> I just don't use any. I'm like, here's the facts. Yeah. Don't get my face about the facts. Here they are. Just leave me alone. I've also heard that I'm too aggressive. I'm too direct. I'm too opinionated. I'm too confident. I've heard all those things that I don't think anyone would vain to say to a man, Mm. but I've heard them all about me several times in my career. And it's probably why I have such a a hate relationship with performance management, because I don't think a lot of the times for women and people of color, it's a safe environment to be in. Yeah. And I don't know this whole thing about having to like everybody at work. If someone's doing good work, you don't have to hang out with me outside of this. We don't have to be the godparents for each other's kids. Yeah, I don't need my personality assessed at every turn. It's fascinating. And like women are meant to be, we're we're supposed to be like kind and soft and all these motherly and loving. And then when we aren't, it's like something is wrong with us and somehow our work gets questioned. Mm -hmm. It's infuriating, which is again, probably why I hate performance management. Right. Oh my gosh. But then when you, when you are swirling around in a white dress and being like, hello, everybody, then you just end up having to take notes for the meeting that you're running. We can't win. We literally cannot win. I um, I watched, I've seen the Barbie movie twice, have thoughts and feelings about it. But that whole monologue America Ferrera does where she talks about how hard it is to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had like a friend message me to be like, I feel like you would say something like this. And I was like, I would. I cried both times while watching that because I feel that very really in the workplace, not just for myself, mm-hmm. but for other women and underrepresented groups in the workplace. Yeah, It's kind of the hardest part about being in the HR job, I think, and not being a white man, is that you have to also think about how this experience is for everyone else for, who have very different lived experiences. And so I have a lot of empathy for others in the workplace because we've been othered for so long. 
and that a lot of people don't understand how to make them feel like they truly belong, how to make us feel like we truly belong anywhere. Yeah. Let's talk more about this. You said you've been called aggressive and, and some of these other terms about, you know, just the way you come off and, and, and things that are just part of your personality. Talk to me about some other experiences that you feel might have to do with you being a brown woman, doing a job where you're telling people what to do and you are the top dog in a lot of ways. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's so much to be said about our identities and the experiences we've had in life and how they show up at work is just fascinating to me. But I think a lot of it comes from I, for a long time, was afraid to like, say the thing and speak up because mm -hmm. I was afraid of how I would be perceived. And then I started to like really question, am I even proud of who I am and the leverage I potentially have mm -hmm. to make a change? And that's when I really feel like I was at an inflection point in my career where I stopped trying to be like the nice person that everyone loved. And I tried to start being more the person who said the hard thing because I felt this very intense responsibility and weight on my shoulders that if I'm the only person in the room from an underrepresented group, how am I not advocating for others in that room? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my experience as I'm like trying to figure it out is like, I'm trying to navigate it so that I don't come off aggressive because the unconscious bias that people have is they might see me and might perceive me as an aggressive person if I have an opinion that's too direct. That's very real. Yeah. And so I've been trying my entire professional career to really navigate that well, where I can say the hard thing. I can advocate for the experiences of others. I can make room for others in the room I'm in, but also in a way that wins me favor and doesn't make me public enemy number one. Okay. That is a difficult dance. <laughs> oh my God. I should be taking a class in it. I did not do it well at one organization. I created a mm -hmm. lot of enemies. And at my current organization, I'm very blessed that they are open and take hard feedback and are just really good people mm -hmm. morally, that they understand that when I have to tell them something hard, they listen, they take it in and they tell me, thank you, mm -hmm. which is rare. Yeah. I think when you're trying to, to do that dance, right. And yeah. you're not getting the reception that you had hoped, it can sometimes feel like it changes you. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're not consciously changing your strategy, but you stop caring about the nicety of things. You're like, this is what it is. Change it. It's wrong. I'm not sugarcoating this for you. And I'm not smiling while I'm saying this. Yeah. Or when something's so clearly racist and you are just looking it dead in the eyes and you have to say, that is like a racist thing to say and believe. Yeah. That is really hard for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And you have to do it in a way that doesn't 
make them go on the defensive, but at the same time doesn't sugarcoat it. People get defensive very quickly. And when you give people feedback in the workplace about their work, Americans have associated their work product with their identity. It's so deeply intertwined that when you start to give feedback, it almost feels like you are questioning who they are as a human. But like I have seen and heard some crazy shit. And sometimes it takes everything in my power to not be like, um, you're a racist and fuck you. Yeah. It takes everything in my power to not be like, are you fucking kidding me? You know that that's like deeply rooted in like discrimination and like how do you not see that so clearly what you are saying is like deeply discriminatory. It takes everything in my power to not just want to scream that and then I have to like sit back and almost like become clinical to how I approach it because I have to think to myself, how do I make this outcome something I'm proud of? How do I also teach the person that what they're saying is wrong? And navigating that every day on top of like layering on my own emotions about the situation, my own lived experience, my own perspective, on top of all the other things you're managing as an HR leader on any given day, it feels like you're just looking at a battle waiting to happen. But if we don't do it, if I don't do it and I'm in those rooms and I can't do it, I feel awful. Like I have failed. Your job in particular seems like one that doesn't just stay in the office. It seems like the things that you're practicing and the principles you've developed can kind of be related to how you navigate your friendships and your romantic relationships and like how you operate in your community even. There's this job is fascinating. (laughs) It teaches you so much about people that sometimes you start to like hyper analyze everyone in your life. Mm. (laughs) I think it makes me a better friend. It makes me like a better sister. It makes me a better daughter. It makes me a better aunt to like do this job and then try to also understand what everyone else is sorting through in life. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of empathy for people, also a lot of compassion. Like you want to do something to make people's lives better. Well, I guess that's a benefit of the job we can say. <laughs> yeah, it's also a drawback because you're fucking exhausted every day. Right. You're also looking at the workplace mirrors society. So the problems of society are problems of your workplace. Mm -hmm. And we got a lot of problems in our society. And it just shows up in the workplace in like very subtle ways. Mm -hmm. And so now you're navigating like outside forces with internal factors on top of all the life you have lived, on top of the life your employees have lived, on top of their traumas that they have experienced other places and maybe incurred in your workplace. And you're sorting through all of that and you're like, where's the end? The end is not in sight and I'm tired. Yeah. When things are happening, like current events are clearly crossing into the workplace, what have you done in your different companies and cultures to give space for that? Is there space for people to be like, oh, we just had another shooting. Can we just have a chiller day? Can I take the day off? You know, what does that look like? I often tell managers they're the first person that their employees are going to turn to. And so it's important for your managers to understand that the things happening in the world can impact the day-to-day of the employee. And so creating space for that is really important, but also not putting the burden on the person to explain why it impacts them the way it does Mm. and how the manager can help because people want to help others. But what they don't understand is turning to a Black person after they just saw in the news that there was a racist shooting targeting Black people and saying, hey, um, how can I help you? Can you explain to me like how this makes you feel is inappropriate? Yeah. You don't do that. 
I had a friend once tell me like, you just don't, you don't do that. He made it very clear. And I was like, never will I ever do that. I'm sure I've done it once before. And after he made it clear to me why I then took that and like tried to apply it to everyone in my workplaces as well. Teaching mm-hmm. them like you do not burden somebody else. Like if they are going through it, you just tell them you were there for them. You give them the day off. You create space for them to process the thing they are processing. Mm-hmm. We don't shut off when we go to work. Right. The things are still happening. We're still seeing the news stories. We're still watching a lot of things unfold in real time. And it can be overwhelming. And so telling your team, like, I saw what happened over the weekend. Like, I understand if anyone needs to take some space, please let me know. Please take the day. If you need to take the day, please let me know. Yeah. Something as simple as that. You can't, the thing is like, you can't not acknowledge it because so much of what's happening in the world still shows up in our workplace every day. And I think that was a big lesson for folks in 2020, right? Like, you're going to have to say something, even if you're uncomfortable. 2020 was, I was really optimistic for a moment, for a moment. I feel so (laughs) foolish. I felt so foolish. I was like, here it is. Corporations are acknowledging systemic racism. We're all talking openly about it. Yes. And, and, and like got so excited and optimistic. And then I've like read the studies since 2020, what changes have actually been made and how much money has been committed to it, but no real change has happened. Mm. It's often hard to read it and know that it's going to take longer than maybe my lifetime to see real change, mm-hmm. but not understanding why it's going to take that long. Doing the ramifications of systemic racism and just trying to undo them, I it could be someone's life mission. And I just, I'm optimistic, but some days I'm really pessimistic and I'm like, nothing is ever really going to change. Yeah. But I got to do my damn best every time I show up in a workplace to make it better for everyone. That's hard not to just be so jaded that you're like, I don't even care. I mean, do what you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some days I'm like, I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> other days I'm like, I will. This is my hill to die on. Yeah. Society has failed us in so many ways. I'm not going to, this could take a whole nother angle, but like I will try my hardest in every workplace possible to not make the same mistakes, to create something that could feel equitable, that is equitable. And if that means like I'm behind closed doors fighting, fighting for people to get promoted, fighting for people to have a seat at the table, fighting for people to have a chance, fighting for people to get equitable feedback, then I will fucking fight the fight. As you've navigated like all these nuances of, you know, your role, what have been the most important lessons for you? That I'm going to mess up. I think people are really afraid to make a mistake. I will at some point say the wrong thing, but I need to surround myself with people that are willing to tell me when I'm wrong and help me learn how to be better. I think that's the thing a lot of people are afraid of. Like I am not an expert in a lot of things, but I'm gonna do my best to do what I think is right and take it on myself to learn all around me how to build something better. And I think a lot of people are afraid to make a mistake. I am not afraid to make a mistake and say I was wrong or I shouldn't have said that or that's not what I intended, but that's how it impacted you. Like being okay, being wrong and admitting that you also have something to learn is really powerful. You all are giving out so much empathy to other people. It's almost like you need a little empathy too. Yeah. Also, some days I just want to be like, help me help you. Yeah. Help me understand what it is that you're experiencing because like I can't build or solve for it if I don't know what it's like to experience that thing. Would that be your advice for people listening who are like, I don't really know how to talk to my HR people and I don't really know have to make this a good experience for both sides? Yeah. Is it just transparency? You could try, but I'm not going to lie. Like some HR people are awful. 
I don't want to give you bad. I don't want to give you bad hope. I'm not saying I'm great either. Like I'm sure there are people better than me out there who are doing a more fantastic job at being an ally for everyone than I'm probably doing. But I think it's figuring out who your HR people are and if they are someone that you can build the relationship with, that they can be trusted with the feedback that you are going to give because some HR teams will do the wrong thing. It's like instincts, but you have to hope you can trust your instincts. You have to hope that the people who are trying to build a great employee experience are honestly good people. So I think like if you are trying to figure out how to navigate your workforce, finding your allies too, Mm -hmm. other people in leadership, people that you can trust, people whose opinion you value, people whose values align with your values. I wish every HR team was amazing, but I know that every HR team is not. I have been on good HR teams. I've been on bad HR teams. I have been good. I have been bad. It's just some days you just got to take people as they are. Yeah. Let's talk about your newsletter. Oh my gosh, so I got something happy. Okay, so it's so funny because we got really dark there for a second. Sorry. I hate it here. It's the pride and joy of my life, uh, my little baby. I founded it over a year ago. It's a newsletter that's all about how to make workplaces great, which is counterintuitive to the name I hate it here. But it very optimistic in nature because I hate it here is kind of the thing your HR team fears that the employees think. It's Mm -hmm. also something your HR team might be actively thinking, but can't openly say. Every week I try to talk about a topic that impacts something in HR. And I always try to leave the newsletter with tactical things HR people can do. But I also write from a very human lens. So if you are just an employee at work trying to understand the interworkings of your company, you should also read my newsletter because I uncover a lot of the things about why your environment is the way it is. Mm. I talk about what to be on the lookout for. I talk about how things show up in the workplace that could hint to other things happening. And I do it from a very real talk lens. I'm not sugarcoating shit. I'm calling it what it is. I'm doing my best to set you up for success as you read it and understand it. And it's been the most fun of my life. Oh, nice. It feels like this gives us an opportunity to be like a workplace sociologist. Yeah, the newsletter is is very interesting. I also have a virtual event series called HR Therapy, which is once a month on Zoom, we get people together. I bring a guest speaker in and they talk about a topic and then we take live Q&A from the audience. And so it's meant to be like HR people's therapy. So it's called HR Therapy. And I'm launching and I hate it here podcast shortly. So you can read, you can watch, and you can listen to me in your ears and I hope that doesn't sound terrible for everyone. (laughs) Oh my God. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Joy, for having me. This has just been such a good conversation. I love what you're building. I think exposing people to more stories about people at work is just a really fascinating thing. And your energy has been untapped. (laughs) If people want to subscribe to the newsletter, they can subscribe at workweek.com slash I hate it here. You can follow me on Insta. I have the I hate it here newsletter. I also have my own personal public facing Insta where I show people the books I'm reading and the travels I'm doing and probably just the coffee I'm drinking every day. Um, (laughs) And it's been an honor to be here. Thank you so much for letting me share my perspective with folks today. Getting a good HR leader and a bad one is really just a coin toss. And even though many of us have had bad experiences with our people leaders, maybe we should all go into new opportunities expecting the best while still playing it smart. Make sure you subscribe to the I Hated Your newsletter in the show notes. Take care of yourself this week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.